Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, we are continuing with requests, and today's request was a nice, fun 80s slasher movie during the height of the slasher movie craze where they were coming at us in droves. Love, love, love to do these movies, good or bad, on this show. And uh, thanks to Dave for putting this in front of us. The movie is called Graduation Day, and it was actually made in 1981. Oh, gosh. This this year, I mean, you had The Burning, you had this, you had Blood Rage, which was one of my favorites. Intruder was like a year after this. Evil Dead was a couple years before this, I think, 1979. I mean, this is the time for these sort of carbon copy slasher films that just came out in droves and cashed in big time. I mean, this movie was shot on a budget of $250,000. It's not even a particularly great movie, but it grossed $25 million by the time it was out of the theaters. No. Can you believe that? This movie! No. <laughs> I mean... I know. <laughs> if I could make movies at the time that this, <laughs> this was going on, I would have been making them left and right. And then, above all odds, there are several famous people in this movie early uh, work of theirs so crazy so it's i'm really looking forward actually to talk about this movie today uh, but i had never really heard of it before probably passed it on the on the shelves definitely hadn't seen it but it is available on amazon prime right now for free in case you want to watch it which is where we watched it craig uh, had you seen this before we watched it for this podcast no and gosh i don't know if i'm surprised that i hadn't seen it because <laughs> this is right you know this is right up our alley the, you know, we is. watch these movies all the time we grew up with them mm. um and <laughs> you and i are very fond of you know like theme <laughs> type stuff so i'm surprised that we haven't done this in the spring for graduation season before yeah um <laughs> but uh it, it's interesting for sure it's surprising you said how much money it made it's surprising that it made so much money for one because like you said it was kind of at the peak or maybe even a little bit on the downside of mm. well that's not really fair because no. Um, I guess all through the 80s. Uh, but critics were getting a little bit tired uh, of the slasher formula already, even in 1981. And so it wasn't, it did not get any critical love at all. Um, and I read that, uh, I don't remember who it was, whether it was the director or the producer, who um, actually went to theaters to ensure that the theaters were actually showing previews for this movie um, because they wanted to make sure that it was really getting out there. But no, I, I had never seen it. I'd never really heard of it. Uh, I was kind of excited going in because it was, you know, kind of this old slasher, and I enjoy those, and I thought it would be a lot of fun. It, it, I don't know. What did you think? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you said you're excited to talk about it. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it, too, but I, I can't say that I loved it, really. I, I can't say I loved it either, but I think there's some really interesting elements to this movie. I think it's made with a lot more care and thought than a lot of these films were made. You know, we see some just utter garbage that just, like, the cinematography is pretty lousy, the editing's pretty lousy, the acting is always lousy, um, the script is something that, you know, you've you've seen a hundred times, they almost just kind of rewrite the same story for a, a, different, a different movie. And this movie has a lot of that in it, except I thought the editing was a little inspired. The use of music was very interesting, for better, for worse. There were some nice transitions uh, in some of the between some of the scenes. And uh, I could see most everything that was going on. You know, it wasn't muddy or dark or weird in a lot of spots. And there were moments where the special effects, the practical effects worked for me, and other moments where they were just laughably bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was, it was considerably uneven. I felt even at an hour and a half, it was still felt really long. Like, this movie didn't know how to end itself. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah. And at the end of the day, like, I don't know, man. Like, the whole mystery of who the killer... I don't know. There, there are a lot of problems with it. Let's put it that way. But 
it stood out in a few small ways that at least kind of kept me interested as a guy who ends up seeing so many of these week after week, you've got to find something, <laughs> you know, Oh yeah, that's unique. And I found enough unique in here that kind of, that kept me watching the screen. But I don't know if I would have said the same thing in 1981, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there were definitely things that I enjoyed about it. Absolutely. First of all, <laughs> our friend... Linnea Quigley is in it. Yeah. <laughs> this was kind of her big break role, wasn't it? I mean, this was she was in a couple movies before this. Yeah, she talked to us about it. Yeah, I remember because she was cast as one of the girls after the girl who originally auditioned for it didn't want to take her top off. Right, right. And she told us that. Yeah. <laughs> and Linnea Quigley, go back and listen to that episode. We don't want to spoil it all for you because we are really excited about the fact that we got to talk to Linnea Quigley. But, you know, to make a long story short, she doesn't mind popping her top off for a movie and i guess she had gotten the the hint that you'd never say no to nudity that got her to the part and that really kind of rocked then she you know then she got some plastic surgery and she's popping her top off a lot after that Uh, it's funny because you've said stuff about her having surgery before and i'm like no she's just really cute um i barely recognized her in this like yeah (laughs) had i not had i not known it was her i'm not sure that i would have figured it out she does have a really distinctive voice and i i I did recognize her voice but i think it would have taken me a while to figure it out just because she's very very young uh Mm. and fresh-faced in this you know you really screwed up this year. You're going to be lucky if you graduate. I'm going to graduate. <sighs> what the what? You didn't even go to class half of the time. I know, but it's cool. I talked to Mr. Robertson. You know, he doesn't care. I'm going to graduate. How many girls have you screwed? Is it true that you've screwed the ones at Sacred Heart? Huh? Have you? What do I look like? Calculator or something? No, but, you know, I just wondered. <laughs> Everyone. Everyone of them. Cheerleaders, pom-pom girls. You're kidding. Everyone. Do you know Nancy? We go back a long ways. First time oh. I met her. Mm, so you did do it with her, huh? Oh, yeah, I had to teach her a little bit. She's only in high school. <laughs> you know? She's my best friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's my best friend. And and she plays a small role, but I enjoyed her. Uh, and just having made that one very, very brief personal connection with her, it was uh, really cool to see her. Um, and then uh, another very young, fresh-faced Vanna White is in the movie. <laughs> 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 the back of her head is in the movie more than her face, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> it, it's funny because, again, I'm not positive I would have recognized her either because she's so young, but I definitely did recognize her voice. What was funny to me about all of the scenes that she was in was she always appeared with another girl, and it seemed to me that they didn't have any written lines. Like, mm. it, it seemed to me that they were like, just act bubbly and goofy. And and so, they had the silliest, silliest lines. Like, at one point she's like, you scared me so bad I peed my pants! And then <laughs> the, the, the other girl like you did and she's like no not really and then they're like yeah you did i can see it like these are the lines like it was that was pretty hilarious um so little things like that i liked my biggest problem with the movie i think was the writing of the script it really kind of irritated me yes because it sets up this uh, murder mystery, and I'll try to say this without totally blowing the ending before we get there, but, okay, so it starts out at um, a track meet that also features gymnastics. Like, mm, is that yeah. was that a thing? Like, did people do gymnastics at track meets? It, it just felt like they had a song. Well, first of all, the opening is awesome. I loved the opening. There's, like, this cool, groovy 70s, like like rapid paced song and they let the whole freaking song play and they're editing really fast cuts of this track meet and these people in the crowd and I just felt like after a while there are only so many shots you can get of a crowd cheering and somebody running around the track and a coach yelling at them to go faster that they just had to cut in some footage from gymnastics that they happen to have 
<laughs> I mean, that was how I read it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just happen to have an actress who could like do a bar, like a parallel bar scene, and so mm. they're like, well, why not? Let's do it. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so it's this big track meet apparently, and this girl, her name ends up being Laura, is like winning the race, and the coach is yelling at her, and he's got a stopwatch, and he's like, you have to get under 30 seconds, and she's running so hard, and um, it was also funny because this girl was, she looked like she was maybe like 5'4", and she clearly could not run as fast as everybody else in this scene. <laughs> and so, like, they had to do really tricky things with the editing to make it look like she could actually run faster yeah. than these other people. But anyway, um, she does. She 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 wins, and she makes it under or right at 30 seconds or whatever. But then she immediately drops dead, and uh, everybody is shocked and yeah. they explain later that I guess she had a blood clot in her brain or, or an aneurysm or something but she dies and then it jumps to I don't know sometime later when her sister Anne who is played by Patch McKenzie should I know who that is um, is she somebody I don't I know think she was in ER for a handful of episodes or something that's I mean she's done some things but not a lot but she's been on TV. Yeah, I don't know. TV. Yeah. The name sounded familiar, but whatever. Anyway, she shows up, um, and then right away we see another young jogger running in the forest or the park or something. This young jogger, female jogger, is killed by somebody in a sweatsuit with a stopwatch who's also like you know doing the whole 30 seconds thing and then that's the setup like okay so you've got this killer in a sweatsuit with a stopwatch killing what turns out to be the other people on the track team and mm -hmm. that's the big mystery what irritated me about the movie is that they set up so many ridiculous red herrings yes. that transparent yeah like at one point when Anne goes home to her mom and her mean stepdad or whatever she unpacks her suitcase and there's black gloves and like sweat a sweatsuit in there yeah. or something and and then later other people also have knives and stopwatches and sweatpants and like <laughs> so there are all these red herrings and as it turns out again without trying to be too spoilery you meet the killer very early in the movie and then the killer disappears for the rest of the movie yeah. until the very end yeah you forget, <laughs> you forget that character existed and you right. think you're going to be spending a lot of time with that character in the beginning of the movie like to the point where I thought were there a few scenes in the middle that ended up getting edited out at some point but that character is not the only one who goes missing for most of the movie and ends up at the end so even still you've got like three or four people to choose from. Yeah. Uh, before we go too far into this, I want to talk just briefly about the male gaze and feminism and stuff like that because I thought that this movie, one thing that set it apart from the other uh, slasher movies of the time was that it had pretty strong female characters and pretty worthless male characters. Mm. Now, that's not to say that it's not exploitative and sexist in many parts, but I love that scene where she's in the car with the truck driver and we don't even see Anne? yeah we don't even see her face for a while which was a pretty smart move he's just talking to this girl and she's not responding because he's being just too chatty and eventually kind of lecherous uh, but we see her legs <laughs> like he's looking down at her legs like that's the only thing that he's really paying attention to in the car and she's wearing a skirt and there is a like a navy hat on there like she's in the navy and he makes some comment that's like uh hey, you uh, read about those two uh, navy girls down in uh, san diego it was in all the papers i hear they were a couple of real lesbos he ends up making some comment to her and uh puts his hand on her leg and tries to kind of move it up her skirt and when she pushes it away we still don't see her face when she pushes it away he goes come on babe i'm a taxpayer <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Which is horrible. You're not a lesbo too, are you? And finally she gets him to stop the truck and we see her face for the first time when she gets out. But one of the first things you see in this movie after seeing a young woman drop dead is a strong woman standing up for herself uh, to a lecherous pig. These two scenes, you know, the quick cutting and, and the kind of the excitement with the music of that first one and then that aspect of the second one, just something I was definitely not expecting uh, from a movie in this era. Those were things that kind of made me sit up and take notice. And so I was trying to kind of take, take like I had a little chart going, you know, um, of other points they were scoring a little bit for strong females. And there were a few, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. Well, all of the women were far more interesting than the men. The men were all just kind of bumbling oafs. Uh, yeah, or horrible people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and that's that's not to say that the women were all rocket scientists. They certainly weren't, but they were at least more interesting characters. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so uh you know, where do we go from there? Cuz that's the thing like I feel like like it's a lot of scenes of people talking to each other. Yeah. A lot of like he here's introducing some red herrings like okay so Anne goes home and her mom seems kind of nice but kind of put upon and then she has this jerk stepdad named Ronald um, who confronts her right away and is like I don't know why you get to accept your sister's award at graduation that should have been me I was the one that practically raised her and he calls her a big mouth self-centered bitch like yeah. <laughs> calm down <laughs> right? she just walked in the door Come on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Then, I mean, I, I can go through the plot points, but oh, then we're in the locker room, and it's a killer POV, and uh, there's the, the killer takes a picture out of a locker, and it's the track picture, and Laura's face is already crossed out, and then they cross out the other girl that just got killed in the forest. And so it's just this big setup, like, okay, I get it. Somebody's taken out the track team. Got yeah, it. Yeah, and, and that's one of the most cliche things about this movie, down to the killer POV shots with the gloves on, all borrowed from Giallo pictures, but used heavily yep. uh, in these 80s movies here. Uh, and then the very obvious, like, we, the audience, know who the next, you know, victims are going to be, basically, because the killer is putting a big freaking red X over a picture that I guess he tucks away in the locker and then pulls out again every now and then just to right. keep track. You know, it's it's all really, really silly, but it does definitely follow those tropes. Uh, there are times when you kind of like to watch a movie that's following those tropes, right? Yeah, oh, I, I recognize true. this. I see what's going on. So that didn't bother me too much just because every movie at this time pretty much did that. Yeah. I thought that the kills, for the most part, were really well, like, stylishly filmed. Almost everything is a sword or a knife. Everything's like a blade. But at some point, there's like a sword mm -hmm. and a fencing sword. So unlike a lot of movies where the killer usually just kind of has only one weapon or or the methods of kill are, like, so drastically different, like, uh, you know, boiling water from a kitchen on one person, a bunch of killer bees in the bathroom or, you know, on another, just sort of depending on what's going to get to each of these people... I don't know if the fencing swords that you find in a school are really sharp enough that you can stab a person no. through the neck with it, but that's what happens in one scene. No, they don't. <laughs> they don't have points, right? The fencing foils don't, they don't even have a sharp point. No, they're dull at the end. <laughs> <laughs> at least, you know, from my vast experience with fencing, you know, that's yeah. my understanding. <laughs> like, you're not actually trying to stab people. <laughs> but again, you know, like it's it's just all of these coincidences. Like, okay, so it's clearly a killer POV watching this girl. Her name ends up being Sally. She's uh, walking in the woods, and the killer is watching. And then she bumps into Annie, who is or Anne, excuse me, who is now out of her uniform. And I I just have written down bumps into Annie, looking good acting weird like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like she looks real pretty but she's acting weird what's going on is she the killer i mean that's what it seems like 
it would be suggesting. It also make you know, like, she comes in from out of town. It's her sister that died. Like, if anybody has motive, it would be her. And so they take advantage of that right away. Oh, she's in almost every scene in the beginning. And it gets kind of boring, right? Yeah. Because we're just sort of following her around town. And they're having a graduation rehearsal. And that scene's pretty boring. And then she pops in. And it's like Sally whispers, that's the one I saw in the in the woods. Uh, And then later she goes over to Kevin's house and Kevin is the boyfriend of, um, well, the former boyfriend, I guess, of Laura, uh, who dies. And he's got this weird ass house where I don't know if they like stockpile art supplies or something. And then he's got this grandmother who just sits in front of a static screen and yells at it. And that was interesting because... She didn't need to be there. Interesting in that it amounts to nothing. Like yes. that's 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 my big problem. Like there are all of these things that have that amount to nothing. Like at the end of the movie, again, it's going to get a little spoilery. I apologize, but by the end of the movie, I wondered why was the character of Anne even in this movie? Like, mm. as except for to like throw suspicion on her there's no reason for her to be there the the, all of the events of the movie could have played out in her absence like yeah (laughs) she's only there as a mislead and that frustrates me (laughs) yeah and we spend so much time with her in the beginning the movie's really trying to build this sympathy for laura and you think kind of for laura's family i mean she's come home from guam right right be here for this graduation in the wake of this tragedy her mother's trying to reassure her her stepdad has this kind of issue he's clearly dealing with some trauma she goes over to kevin's house and he's put together a little flip book uh, you know, photos from her, and they have, you know, exchanged words and have this kind of sweet talk, and she gives him the necklace that she was going to give her, and that gets laid down on a photograph, and there's a shot of that. And all of these little things, you're right, they seem like they're being set up to be significant. Or at least it, there's this kind of family drama and this kind of shadow that's supposedly hanging over everybody about Laura being dead. Now, we all know Laura collapsed on the track field. Nobody shot her. Nobody killed her. So we're not starting out with a mystery right away. And that's maybe, I think, a big failing of the movie is not only are we not starting out with a mystery right away, but they're trying to make a mystery out of it. Like at one point, before she disappears for quite a while, uh, Anne confronts the track coach, who's a dick, yeah. who just yells and screams at the girls and stuff all the time. And she makes this absurd assertion that everybody knows that he killed her. I guess because he pushed her so hard that she got a blood clot. That's at least a third of the way into the movie. But nobody really takes it seriously. So the main mystery we have going this whole time, if you can call it, is who is the killer. But that's only a mystery for us because until like the last 10 minutes, nobody else knows there's even a killer. Nobody knows people are being killed. Right. These kids are just disappearing and nobody's finding the bodies and nobody's saying anything about it. There's not even like, oh, where's Sally? She was supposed to come here today. You know, where's Jim? It's only like the last 15 minutes that I'm sorry. It's the last 30 minutes that a cop shows up. (laughs) <laughs> and is like, yeah. uh, you know, I've been called by some parents. They said that a bunch of kids are missing. And yeah, the principal's like, yeah, I know. I, I realized they were all members of the same track team, too. Uh, parents have been calling me about it, too. Uh, yeah, you know, well, it's just, it's just like, I just want to get the things done, write my report, and get out of here. There are probably kids just playing around. Yeah, I don't even know why the parents are upset about it. You're like, what? What? <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, and and the the principal is just like, oh, they're not going to miss graduation. Like, <laughs> don't worry about it. They'll turn up. It's graduation day. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and there, they, there are. You know, after the first girl gets killed, there's a pointless scene where they're like taking the track photo, and that girl doesn't show up, and everybody's like, no, we don't want to take the picture without her. And the coach's like, too bad, we're doing it anyway. So <laughs> they kind of notice that people are missing, and especially after that party when, like, I don't know, four or five people. Get get killed mm-hmm. um yeah parents happen. start yeah. calling and stuff but it doesn't it doesn't seem high stakes uh, no. at any point 
No, and nobody's walking around nervous, right? It's not scream. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, they nobody jumps to the conclusion, oh, somebody must be killing everybody, which I guess you probably wouldn't. But just little weird, like, it's all these red herring things that just drive me nuts. Like, when uh, Anne is at uh, Kevin, is that his name? Yeah, when she's at his house... Um, and there's that photo album. Maybe this was just like a logistics thing, but it drove me crazy that it was a full photo album of the last 30 seconds of her life. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah. Who was, was taking all of these pictures, and why would you want to commemorate this? Like, I was waiting for the last picture to be like her dead body on the track. Like, <laughs> it- <laughs> True. That's so, a very good point. So weird and random. And then just lots of weirdo uh ran Okay, so uh Sally gets stalked in the locker room again and and that's when Vanna White pees her pants. After lunch, you are after lunch. Get out of here. This girl is wacko. There's a weird scene, and this happens a couple of times, Mm. where Sally... Okay, so I guess a reporter has come to do a story no, on I don't think Sally. So. Or... No, 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 no. I think this is um, the yearbook photographer, isn't it? The same guy who was taking the track photo I don't know. and all that stuff? That's what I thought it was. I guess. Okay, so anyway, a photographer, and he's there to take a picture of her doing her uneven bars routine or whatever. Well, she keeps falling. Well, one of the re- the reason that she's falling is because she keeps having these weird, like, flashbacks. Like, I didn't even understand. Was she just, like, traumatized by the fact that this girl collapsed and died? And there's another part later where somebody else has these weird stylistic flashbacks, and I'm like... I didn't even get it. <laughs> it's what is happening. I thought it was cute and clever, and that's how I interpreted it at first. Like she's flashing back to the track and to her collapse, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Like she can't. Con- she's an athlete. A fellow athlete died, and now it's affecting her performance. She can't concentrate because this keeps coming up to her. Except some of the flashes that come through are one of the other girl's murder. Mm-hmm. And so that didn't make sense anymore. Like it, That she, she doesn't even know about. She doesn't even know about it, let alone did she see the body or it happened. So that didn't make any sense. I liked that scene just because we got a good, I don't know, six or seven minute, <laughs> we got to watch her whole freaking routine. It was barrel. so long. <laughs> They're padding for time, clearly. Uh-huh. But the the coach is standing there and he's looking up at her and after a while uh, too too long actually he starts like licking his lips and kind of looking at her lecherously and the photographer also notices it and is a little creeped out by it but doesn't do anything about it right and everybody just goes along their merry way and then sally goes into the women's locker room by herself again to shave her legs in the sink (laughs) (laughs) like why i mean it's a locker room i'm sure there are showers in there (laughs) but i i guess that's sexy yeah i I felt like it was one of those it was a notch against the you know the feminist angle i'm not going to argue that this is a feminist film trust me but that is definitely a notch down uh against the film as far as i felt like the only reason she was shaving her legs in there uh, was just so we could see her legs a little bit more Um, yeah definitely she gets stabbed she's the one who gets stabbed with the the fencing fencing foil. foil right and then it cuts to a totally random scene of this guy in like a leisure suit. Like it turns out, I guess, that he's the music teacher, I think. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Roberts. And he's like doing this performance. It's so funny. Like he's sitting at the piano and playing this song. And these two high school girls are fawning over him like he's Paul McCartney or something. Yes. And he's talking he's talking about how, oh, you know, I I had to leave the business, and they're like, "Ah." and it's so ridiculous. (laughs) He's not in any way attractive. Like, he looks like he stepped right out of, like, a porno from the late 70s or something. Like, mustache. Maybe maybe that's just how I projected him in my mind. I don't know. (laughs) Well, he, he was just gross. 
<laughs> yeah, he, he didn't seem to be t the kind of guy who'd be terribly interested in girls. Let's just put it that way. Well, true. And, and so it, that rang a little untrue when one when Linnea Quigley, uh, in her first scene of the movie, I think, right? We didn't see her earlier. Well, okay. <laughs> We didn't see her earlier because the other girl was still playing her. Like, that's, the, oh. I, I guess, so the original girl who wouldn't show her boobies, they tried as much as they could to cut around her in the opening scenes, but she's there. And then she's then now replaced by Linnea Quigley. And again, spoiler alert, later on, Linnea Quigley gets killed and she gets decapitated, I think. And then... In the big find the bodies scene, which were in all of these slashers in the last 10 minutes where the final girl is running around and happens upon all of the bodies that have been piled up for the whole movie, um, you see this character's severed head, but it's not Linnea Quigley's head, it's the other girl's head. Yeah, they had already like, shot that scene. <laughs> you're like, who's that? <laughs> it's so funny. It's perfect Linnea Quigley from the 80s. It's oh, exactly it what I want from her. <laughs> she basically set her tone with this movie, I think, because this is her character uh -huh. in every film thereafter to varying degrees, right? She comes in, she sits down, uh, she's already slinking in uh, and uh, the other girls leave and she turns around and locks the door and sits down uh, next to this guy and asks him oh you know I, I want to talk about my grade you know of course I need to make sure I get a good grade I don't know in music class to graduate yeah he's like oh well I don't know if that's going to be appropriate because whatever and she like takes his glasses off and he's like oh ha 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 you know um um uh uh and then she just pops open her top and pushes his face <laughs> right down between her very natural boobs and uh, almost pulls his, his toupee off in the process. Did you notice that? <laughs> no. His hair makes a very dramatic shift back as she is <laughs> pulling it in. And then... Oh, that's hilarious. Which sets up this bizarre scene that I have no idea why it was there except again to pad for time. There's a scene in between where the uh, secretary uh, goes into the principal's office and the principal wants Blondie. her Blondie. That's her name. Her mm. name is Blondie. <laughs> and actually, I liked her character. She was a, cha a notch in the, in the section of strong female characters because it was clear that either she and the principal do or had a thing going, but she doesn't just let him lay his hands all over her. Right. She's kind of rolls her eyes at it most of the time, very forcefully pushes him off. And I don't know. I didn't really get the relationship, but I kind of liked it. I thought it was different. You know, she wasn't just a bimbo yeah. who was fawning all over the principal. He asked her to make some recordings, and she's like, I'm going to be up all night doing this. And I don't even really understand what they were supposed to be recordings of. I think she was supposed to be transcribing letters. I think that he had dictated letters into oh. a cassette player and she was supposed to transcribe them. That it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Well, the, the scene, I think, that almost follows this, Linnea Quigley's character, Doris, is gone now. So all we have is this teacher again, and he just hears this odd banging sound, and it makes him wonder, where is this clanging coming from? And he's curious enough about it that he goes out into the hallway and uh, bumps into the track coach and is like, yeah, there's this crazy banging. It sounds like it's coming from the pipes. You know, do you do anything about it? I'm going to go to the boiler room and check it out. Like, what? Really? So he goes into the boiler room and he's like, anybody in here? Are you kids banging around on the pipes? Look, I'm not going to get upset. And then a tape player is thrown at him and it is playing a recording of him and Dolores. What we didn't see from their scene, which is hilarious. <laughs> Robert, <laughs> you look a lot thinner with your clothes on. Why? Don't you find me attractive? Well, sure I do. You're okay. You're fine. <laughs> do you like snakes? Well, I call this my little cobra. Oh, why? Is it poisonous? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So funny. So funny. It, that was really funny. But then two kids run out. Yeah, like it was just a prank. Like it has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. 
And he lives, doesn't he? Does he even die? I mean, he's not on the track team. I don't, I don't even, think anything happens. No, I don't think he does. I didn't even think he was going to die because he goes into that place, and I know he's not on the freaking track team. So there was no suspense at all for me in the scene. I was just trying to figure out what the why in the world, halfway across the school, he heard some clanging coming from somewhere and was so interested in stopping what he was doing and going into the boiler room. And he, along with a bit where I didn't understand why um, Anne was allowed to just wander around the school for for ages and decided to go into the dark wood shop. What was that about? I have no idea. Apparently the coach is also the wood shop teacher, but yeah, she walks into the dark wood shop and the machines come on mysteriously by themselves. And then the coach comes in. He's like, are you crazy? These are dangerous machines. And she's like, I didn't turn them on. He's like, okay, whatever. That's it. No explanation ever for why that happened. I, like, I guess there was just a power surge or something that made the machines come on. Like, it's <laughs> it just seems really sloppily written. Like, yeah, wouldn't that be scary if the machines came on for no reason? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It just gave the coach a reason to come running in. And I guess he was out in the hallway, too, to hear the machines. I guess. So he comes and runs in and talks to Laura, and that's that. And the principal is no you know, saint either, apparently, because A, he doesn't care about the kids, uh, and B, he has a drawer full of switchblades, which I assume he's confiscated from kids. Is that the assumption? I guess. And a stopwatch. Uh-huh. And gloves. And he is the worst at cutting an apple i have ever seen anybody cut an apple yeah he cuts it into like four asymmetrical pieces like through the core like what was the point (laughs) oh god but my dolores is my favorite and oh yeah linnea quigley she's just she's just so cute and she just plays these like she just dives into these roles and they're so silly but she she's just so endearing in them but it's just like her only characteristic in this movie is that she's super horny and like she even (laughs) says it more than once like i'm so horny (laughs) (laughs) that's right to her her boyfriend tony (laughs) yeah they're they're hanging out in the park and they're like smoking a dube and like they're just chatting and then he's like lounging with his head in her lap and and then she just out of the blue is like you know what tony what i'm really horny and she goes to start undoing his pants and he's like smacking her hands away and says oh there's time for that later there's time for that later like she must be so horny if her (laughs) teenage boyfriend is like swatting her hands away from his crotch like Like, my god not again he must be chafed (laughs) (laughs) oh too too bad i was just a kid at that time (laughs) (laughs) they get caught by like the school cop like i guess there's a cop that were i i didn't realize that there were resource officers in the 80s i mean i know that there are now but i don't remember there being cops at school well the thing that's weird about it and the movie does this a lot is that we're already almost an hour in and suddenly we're being introduced to a new character like who seems like he's going to be somewhat significant, this cop. And he ends up not actually being in many scenes after that, so it doesn't really matter. And then, you know, it's just sort of like the the detective who shows up later and is in maybe two scenes toward the end, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Well, and they do stupid things like trying to establish conflict, like they have this one totally random scene between the cop and the coach, and the cop's like, I know all about you. Uh, you better be careful. I could take you down or something like that. And and then that's it. That's the only scene they share together. <laughs> There's no context for what apparently this cop knows about the coach. Um, except for, like, there's a little bit of insinuation maybe that the coach... It has like lecherous relationships with the girls on the team like it's just that the tiniest hint that that could be and the cop runs with that for that one 15 second scene and then you yeah. never hear anything about it ever again exactly god it's, and it's oh there's so much more to talk about <laughs> there's so much more we gotta yeah. get through <laughs> okay good i'm ready well i mean it's really funny that this one path through the woods is where pretty much all, except for maybe one of the murders happens. I think only Sally actually gets killed in the school, right? 
and everybody else, like they're walking through the park and then they turn left into this path and you're like, oh great, I know what's gonna happen here. It happens all uh, the time. Yeah. And that's when Linnea Quigley and her boyfriend are sitting on that bench before the cop chases them off. Um, that's where this football, this one of the track team guys apparently also plays football. And he's back there tossing a football around and with himself. Yeah. And Vanna White and her friend like suddenly grab the football from him out of nowhere and chuck it into the bushes and run away like ha 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 ha. So then he has to go into the bushes to find it. Luckily, all along, the killer has been in there with a giant blade, like four feet long, that he managed to insert into this football, I guess, without deflating it, so that he has is holding a football with an like a four-foot blade off of the end of it. And again, we get this POV shot, um, and it's, you know, the kid comes over and is like, hey, hey, give me my football. And I guess the killer throws the football with the blade in it at the kid and impales him. Yeah, that was hilarious. That was so it was, silly. <laughs> it was the silliest thing, one of the silliest things I've ever seen. And, like, blood comes out of the guy's mouth. I don't know what they were using for blood. It looked like rusty water. Like, it didn't look like yeah. blood at all. It was orange. It wasn't red. Um, but that was it was funny. And not only is it a POV shot from the killer, but then, like, gosh, I may be misremembering this, but I almost feel like you get like the football tracking shot like <laughs> yeah like they, like they put like they put the football like right underneath the camera lens and then <laughs> just moved the camera towards the guy with the shocked face until he gets impaled oh man that was really really funny yeah none of it was probable and then and then there's a sing-along yes <laughs> and i really enjoyed that it was That's really cool. long yep the graduation day blues sing along. I enjoyed that a lot. And then the cop threatens the coach. And then there's a break dancing scene. Yes. In the roller rink, which I also <laughs> thought was pretty amazing. And a seven minute long music video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I may be mistaken about this, but we have seen this happen in so many low budget horror films that I think there must be kind of a an arrangement like like if you're too cheap to go out and get the music rights to something or to have somebody write something for you but you want to be hip and edgy and you want to have like a rock song or two in your movie the best thing to do is to approach a band that's almost nothing but has good music and say hey we'll put you in the movie mm -hmm. a lot if you just let us use a couple of your songs and i felt like that was probably the trade-off here it, it was i mean they 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 didn't charge them anything for the music I, most probably because they got the exposure from being in the movie for a, a, like they play a whole song yeah like this whole scene takes place over this whole song um, and it's the scene where again just sloppy writing in my opinion so um, Dolores Linnea Quigley and her guy Tony sneak off into the woods to get down and but the cop follows them into the woods you, <laughs> they make a big point of showing you that the cop follows them into the woods. Yes. But then they get killed by the killer who, spoiler alert, is not the cop. So did the cop just, like, stand there and watch them while they were getting frisky and then watch while they got killed? Like, I... They're getting frisky, and the guy is like, I have to pee. So he, like, goes off to take a pee, and he's peeing, and he gets his head cut off. By a sword. And then, like a medieval sword. By a sword. By the way, by the way, this I was so I was so impressed by the effect at first. First of all, I I think maybe it was cut quick enough or the lighting was just right that that blade comes around and lops his head off in slow motion and the camera gets all of it. Yeah. The head turns and stuff and I was like, "Oh, that is a great effect." And then Linnea Quigley goes and discovers his head, and it's hanging from a tree, and it looks like it's made out of frickin' paper mache. It was horrible. Yeah, yeah. I agree 100%. I, like, leave the shot of the head out of it if your head looks so bad. And then, and then the killer... But the slow-mo the slow mo of the head flying through the air really oh, did look pretty good. I was, was pretty impressed by that. Fantastic. And then Linnea Quigley screams, and then... 
the killer j- jumps out of the bushes like literally like ooga booga ooga booga. He's yeah. <laughs> Sadly, this is the first time, and it was a poor choice, but it's the first time I'm pretty sure that we even see the killer. Yes, and he's wearing like a fencing mask and the gray sweatsuit. And the black gloves, and he's got this giant medieval sword, which he then leaps at Linnea Quigley, swings at her, but she ducks away, and it glances off of a twig. This same guy that was able to slice this sword cleanly through a guy's neck couldn't even put a dent in a sapling. It was funny. It's also funny because when he jumps out like that, we do get the first shot of him. And later, when we find out who the killer is, it's entirely obvious that the same actor did not. <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> the, the 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 killer in this scene is not the person that they tell us it is at the end. In fact, I'm pretty sure the ki- it's the director, right? Yep, you're right. Yep, it's the director. Herb Freed. But completely different body type than the person who actually ends up being the killer. Yeah, well, he should stick to directing because his acting. I mean, even when you're not seeing your face, this is why some of our Jason actors get a lot of cred for the the part they play with Jason. And at first glance, you think, well, his face is covered the whole time. He never says anything. And all he does is pretty much stand there most of the time or run at somebody with with a knife. But actually... It does take some talent to be able to pull that off. And yeah. this, this scene right here is clear indication of how you can't just throw anybody into a jumpsuit and <laughs> make them look scary. Right. <laughs> well, and then you have the classic killer chasing the damsel through the woods, which I really enjoyed, especially yes. since it was Linnea. And like I love in one part she's running, and this goes on for a while, mind you. Uh, at one point she's running and she's holding her shirt together and then the killer (laughs) I also love this in horror movies okay so she's running the killer is running more slowly behind her it becomes evident that he's not going to be able to catch her so he makes a 90 degree turn to the left which magically allows him to then appear in front of her I don't understand (laughs) how that works <laughs> because she kept running in a straight line. I don't know how he circled around her and ended up in front of her. But then at that point, her shirt is totally open, her boobs akimbo, and uh, then she turns around and starts running back the other way. In the very next shot, apparently she has taken the time to stop and button her shirt up entirely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> And then she gets killed. And I'm always sad when she gets killed in movies. Yeah. Because she's always is. my favorite. And, <laughs> and we didn't even get... I mean, we we know she was probably decapitated. You don't actually see it happen. You just see the killer standing over her with right. a knife and bring it down. Uh, I read that apparently she vomited after that scene. I guess it was her first, you know, kill, you know, in a movie. And something about it disturbed her and she threw up. Oh, wow. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't huh? know that. Yeah. I mean... So anyway, but by then the song's over, so the movie has to continue. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, Then there's, like you said, uh, after the party, the principal's fielding all these calls about missing kids. This inspector shows up for no good reason. I, I mean, I guess the parents have called the police, too, so this inspector shows up. Um, more red herring stuff where the coach opens his drawer and there's gloves and a stopwatch. And then Vanna White finds Sally's body in the locker room, and Coach Michaels shows up in a full sweatsuit like the killer, and Vanna and her friends scream and run away. And so I guess everybody then just assumes that he did it because he was there. Well, and Kevin, the boyfriend, yeah, runs in and like fights him. Where did he and, come and, from? In the girls' Where did he come room. from? I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess he heard them screaming. I don't know. But he comes in and they fight. Um, but Michaels gets away and Kevin chases him into the woods. Same and Anne place. and the inspector are chasing them. Yeah, that one spot that they could film in the woods. Apparently. And like you said earlier, Anne and the inspector also show up out of nowhere. We have not seen them and suddenly they're involved in this chase as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and it, God, I missed, somewhere I missed, there was another scene that was just so random. Like, this kid just randomly is practicing his pole vaulting alone mm-hmm. on the track field, 
and like we see the whole buildup of him like running and he pole vaults over and then he lands on the mat but the mat has been rigged with all these spikes and so he's just impaled on all these spikes mm. I mean I thought it was a clever kill scene but it was just like dropped in like like we need another kill. All right, here we go. Yeah, we can like, drop it in wherever. It's like, oh, we forgot. We got to. We got to kill off one more kid. <laughs> and I, I mean, <laughs> it was an interesting kill. It was one of the more interesting ones. I we thought. haven't seen death by pole vaulting, and we haven't seen death by football yet. I think uh, so. Yeah, we, that's that's true. Right. Put that two hundred and some movies in. Yeah, that's good. Significant. But anyway, okay, so then there's a big showdown in the woods with Michaels. Michaels, stump that's the coach. He stumbles over the dead football player, and Kevin catches up to him. The coach is like, I didn't do it. I didn't kill anybody. And Kevin's like, yes, you did. You killed her, and now you've got to be punished. And so then Michaels bitch slaps him. That is so funny to me. Like, who decides these things? Like, he doesn't punch him. He doesn't, like, you know, both ways. Like, across the face and backhand. Yes. Bitch slaps him, which I just thought was so funny. But this is uh, where we find out, because at this point, Kevin, who has been MIA for the last 45 minutes, just says, uh, yeah, you killed her because you pushed her too hard. You all did. You all killed her. Um, we were going to get gr- married right after graduation, <laughs> like the same day. Um, but, but, but she's dead because of you. And so I have to punish all of you. So now we know that Kevin is the killer and he's got a knife, but Michael somehow knocks him down and gets a hold of the knife. So then he's there standing over the dead football player and, Kevin who's on the ground and so the inspector just whips out his gun and shoots the coach dead (laughs) (sighs) and uh, and so then they're all there Anne's there so she comforts poor Kevin and they all disperse Anne I guess is like over it so she goes (laughs) to Blondie in the principal's office and is like all right, look can you just give me Laura's trophy and her diploma so I can get the hell out of here. (laughs) And And we're like, please give it to her. (laughs) I know, right? God, go back to Guam. Seriously, this movie needs to be over. Well, I I was surprised the movie... Well, I wasn't surprised the movie was still going because we had to have justice, right? Okay. I guess. (laughs) Um, but, But anyway, Blondie's like, but wait, Kevin came and got those earlier. He said you told him to, and he doesn't seem like the kind of boy who would lie. And and Anne's like, no, no, he doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) And so she leaves and goes back to his creepy house. (sighs) Where? Okay, so the first time she's in his creepy house, there's like this seven-foot tall nude statue of a man Mm -hmm. and when she goes back to his house it has moved like (laughs) it's the biggest thing in the room and it was front and center in the first scene and now in the next scene somebody has moved it to the staircase like it's standing this giant nude man is standing on the stairs why (laughs) i don't get it and it doesn't make any difference, and it doesn't play into anything. It was just no. like a little trick. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Um, but so she goes to his house, and she's looking around, and she ends up up in his room, and, and then she is startled because somebody is sitting in a chair. A girl is sitting in a chair, and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bother you. I was just looking for Kevin. <laughs> and she comes around to the front, and very, you know, Mother Bates psycho style, it's her sister, Laura's rotting corpse. Yes. But still with very beautiful hair. Mm. And uh, so she's scared, I guess. And then Kevin comes in and just starts crazily rambling. And he's like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I wanted you to be the first to kiss the bride. And Anne's like, what? He's like, oh, we're getting married today right after graduation. And you love her. Don't you want to kiss her? (laughs) (laughs) And so then they start tussling. And the most 
It's it's beautiful, <laughs> really. I love it, but it's one of the most contrived things I've ever seen. Like somehow they end up on opposite sides of the corpse chair, and Anne like falls into the chair, which pushes Laura's corpse up and out of the chair into Kevin's arms, and both Kevin and the corpse go out the second story window and land on the ground. Yes. And Anne looks out there, and they're both just laying there, presumably dead. (laughs) But then she runs downstairs, and she opens the front door, and Kevin just saunters in, carrying the body. Yes! Right past her! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he barely notices her. Doesn't give her a glance. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing. Well, like, excuse me, I just got a package to take in. <laughs> but nevertheless, she goes tearing out of there, right? And she ends up, yeah, right. Once again, tearing through the freaking park and that same, you know, strip that everybody likes to go down. And sudden, I guess the idea is that Kevin is now in pursuit of her, even though we haven't seen him. Yep. run out of the house, and she stumbles into all the bodies. She sees, you know, the people and the the heads and the well, things. Well, she. She runs to the track field. Like, where are Why? you going? Like, there's a, there's a killer chasing you, and you run to the football field? Like, there's nobody there. She gets there, and she's just too exhausted to keep going. Like, <laughs> well, maybe take your heels off. That might help. Oh, man. It's so dumb. And then he shows up, and that's, yeah. I just love that, that he, it turns out he's hidden all these, the rest of these body parts and pieces and things under the bleachers, which you can clearly see. Uh-huh. from anywhere you want to stand. I don't know how long those things have been back in there that nobody's noticed. And they have a tussle there, and God, how does he die? What happens to him? Somehow, okay, so somehow the guy that was killed via pole vault, somehow he has been like strung up on a wall or a door so that he's vertical and the spikes that he landed on are still sticking out of him somehow and some yeah and somehow in Anne and Kevin's tussle she pushes him or something and he backs into those spikes and he walks off of them and you think he's going to be okay but then he starts spewing blood out of his mouth and he falls down on the ground and twitches around for a little bit yeah but then he's dead um and and that I have to say that fight scene was one of the most ridiculous poorly choreographed fights I have ever seen. Mm. There's there's one part where she opens a gate like a, like a chain link fence gate, a tall one, like a 6 foot tall one and then closes it behind her but doesn't latch it and she's just holding it and he's acting like he's struggling to get in like he couldn't just pull it open or push it either way because it would go either way instead he grabs either side of the gate like he's gonna like incredible hulk like rip it open like what are you doing it's not even latched oh and and they're fighting through the fence oh my gosh it was really really bad but fun Because it was so bad. It was fun in its badness. And then, okay, so he's dead, and then we get a shot of Anne sleeping in her house, and then Kevin, like, zombie Kevin, like, bursts in, but then the light comes on because her mom turns on the light, and it's not really Kevin. It's just her asshole stepdad for no reason. Yeah. And then the next morning she drives away the end. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that's it. Why didn't they just end the movie with his death? What was with that weird jump scare with her waking back up again? And then why do we have to see her leave the house, get in a taxi, drive off, then go through So that she can drive under the graduation day banner. Yeah. That's why. So that they can freeze frame it on the graduation day banner. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That was a really terrible movie, really. (laughs) But it was fun. I mean, it was fun in its badness, I have to say. And if in this is this is the one that if you and I had been sitting next to each other when we watched it, oh my god, we would have had a blast. I really think we would. Yeah. So. I think so too. It is. It does. It's not one of my favorites, but it does fall into that category, kind of of so bad it's good. Like it's just so ridiculous, just ridiculous. The writing is. 
is just awful, really. I mean, yes. the dialogue is kind of stupid, but serviceable. It's just like the plot points don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And they t- they spend so much time trying to set up red herrings that you just don't even care. Like, oh, okay, I guess it could be him. Who cares? Everybody has a gray sweatsuit. Everybody has a drawer full of knives. Everybody has the exact same stopwatch. Yes. Like, all right fine it could be anybody who cares keep going <laughs> where's Linnea Quigley get your tits out <laughs> shake him around a little bit all right we're going home <laughs> oh man I sound terrible when I talk about her like that because it sounds totally objectifying and in a way it is but we have spoken to her and she has a really good sense of humor about it and she you know i i really respect and admire her for just embracing that aspect of careers for young women like her in horror at the time that you know if you wanted to work you showed your boobs and she was young and cute and had good boobs and i applaud her (laughs) (laughs) hooray for linnea quigley's boobs (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was it was fun to watch. I you know, I, I didn't I wouldn't I would never watch it again. No. <laughs> like there's no, no God, rewatch no. value. Um but it was fun to watch and it was fun to talk about. I so uh who was it that recommended this? Dave. Dave. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Dave. It was a good recommendation. Really appreciate it. Yeah. It was fun. Well, thank you again for listening to another episode. Thanks once again, Dave, for recommending this one. If you have something to request, we love to hear your requests. We have a nice long list of them we uh, go through, and we're going through them now. So uh, find us online. Just search for Two Guys in a Chainsaw. We have a Facebook page. We have a webpage page, and we have a YouTube channel. And you can leave us a comment on any of those places, and we'll see what we can do. Also, if you like this podcast, please share it with a friend and subscribe to us over on YouTube so we can build up our listenership and do a little bit more with that. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. Chainsaw.